Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion, to which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because they anchor us in something which can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. Good morning, Genesis. Um, This morning's scripture reading is from Luke 24. 36 to 48. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood up among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of boiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Beginning from Jerusalem, You are witnesses of these things, and see, I am sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hey, thanks so much, Rexanne, and thanks, Allie, for that beautiful experience. I saw in the chat that Allie's going to be posting that to our Genesis YouTube channel later on, so if you want to Uh, go through that yourself or lead others through that, you can feel free to check out our Genesis YouTube channel and uh, you can go through that experience again. Thank you, Allie. So helpful. Uh, Well, this is the third Sunday of Eastertide. You know, Easter is a season, seven weeks. It's not just a day. Uh, And we've been slowly walking our way through what I think has been a really gorgeous scripture portion as the disciples react to the resurrection of Jesus with various levels of belief and doubt. And we've been focusing on Mary Magdalene, this beautiful, amazing, powerful, strong leader, the first evangelist in the church to preach preach about the resurrected Jesus. And we saw that it was only after weeping and letting go of the old way that she saw Jesus, that she was able to see Jesus uh, disguised as the gardener. And we wondered out loud, 
Like what are the ways that we need to release our grief so that we can see Jesus in a new way in these times? Uh, and then last week we uh, asked the question, who's in our room? <laughs> Remember that? Oh my goodness. I blame you guys that we went almost 45 minutes because the conversation was so delicious and rich. Uh, you just kept talking. I mean, I hardly got a word in edgewise, really. But we looked at, first of all, when the disciples were uh, huddled together, that fear was in the room. And we noticed that fear can be in the room. Fear doesn't leave the room. It just doesn't get to dominate the room. Or using a different metaphor, if fear was in the car with you, it can be in the car with you. It just can't drive. Thank you, Elizabeth Gilbert. And then we saw other things begin to join and the room begin to expand. As Jesus entered the room, Jesus brought peace. Peace be with you, he said. Uh, my peace I give to you. Uh, and then we saw joy enter the room. And we even saw doubt enter the room. And doubt was necessary to enter the room before greater belief could enter the room. Ah, oh, I love that. So those two portions were from John's gospel, but this week's portion is from Luke's gospel. So it's got a little different flavor. And I love that there are four different gospel accounts of the life of Jesus filled with differences, filled with contradictions, filled with certain stories that include certain details that other gospel writers don't. And I think it's, it's, a, a, it's an amazing reminder that we all have a perspective on the life of Jesus. And that the point is not to make sure that there are no contradictions. The point is to get a, as full of a picture of Jesus as possible. Can I get an amen on that one, right? So this one is from Luke's gospel, and they're still in the little room, but we're going to see things from Luke's perspective, a slightly different perspective. Luke has Jesus ask this question, why are you frightened? Why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Jesus asked his disciples, his friends. And to me, as I first read that, it sounded a little insensitive, right? I mean, where have you been, buddy? Like, this is the craziest week of our lives. And you ask us why we're frightened? Uh, why, do, why doubts arose in our hearts? As if Jesus didn't know that they were troubled. Uh, as if he didn't know why they were frightened. But then I remembered how many times Jesus asks questions. And it made me wonder, and this is our first all play question. And if you're new around here, all play questions are designed to hear the voice of the chorus, not just the solo so that we can hear God's voice more uh, loudly. And if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook and you, you aren't in the chat, you can't type in the, the chat, just go ahead and say your answers out loud. If you're alone or even with your friends, you can talk to others, but here's the question. When Jesus says, why are you frightened? Or why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Here's my question. Here's the first all play question. What is Jesus inviting the disciples to say? What is Jesus inviting the disciples to say? After this horrendous weekend they've experienced, Jesus died, then Jesus rose again, and they didn't know what to believe at first. Use the chat to answer the question, what is Jesus inviting the disciples to say? What do you think? 
Now, remember, when we do all play questions, the temptation is that you're not going to say something because maybe it's <laughs> you don't want to sound stupid or you don't want to say something that reveals something about you. But the more that people enter into the all plays with whatever reaction you have, the first thing that comes to your mind, the greater the conversation that we have. What is Jesus trying to invite them to say? Will to name and externalize their trauma and grief. Yes, yes, and yes. Nate Banker may be giving them permission to accuse Jesus of abandoning them. Yes, I've never thought about that before, but I totally agree. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Nico and Regan, I imagine a child saying, Papa, Mama, I'm scared. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's important to say it's okay to name your fear. And like Ali's uh, video, the worry bug, the fear and doubt that's actually in their hearts, Rexanne. Yes. Rebecca, I think it invites them to be honest. Maybe the question isn't patronizing. It's an honest question. Think of it like a therapist asking those questions. Yes, we're getting there, you guys. This is so good. Steve, Shawnee, admit that they're human. Yes, no points for bravely soldiering on through a scary time without naming your fear. Um, and this is Leah, I think. Uh, the fear secrets held close, which grow in power the longer they are secrets. Yes. When you experience pain and when you experience a wound and it's kept secret, it grows and grows and grows. Whew. Hannah to give voice to what's in their hearts. Yeah, I think you guys are all on the right track. Um, you know, what if Jesus really is giving them an opportunity to process what they've been through with him using their own words? I love that he doesn't come in with an explanation. I love that he doesn't come in saying, here's exactly what happened. I love that he waits for them to process what happened. I love that he waits for them to name what was frightening about those days. Uh, what if he knows Mary and Peter and James and John and the others needed to name their experience out loud in his presence? And what can we learn about the importance of doing that for ourselves? There is a, such a difference between feeling all your feelings and then naming them out loud with other people. I really agree with what Ali said in the video that the worry bug hates uh, oxygen and naming it to other people. We need to do this if we're ever going to move through our trauma. And we can trick ourselves into thinking we've grieved and moved through it if we just think it and feel it. But that's, it's not the way it works. We need to, our bodies need to release it. Our bodies need to weep, actually. Our bodies need to move. Our bodies need to feel things. Um, and yeah, Nate, I really appreciate how you, Steve, asked that question because one way to see Jesus' question is to see it as an accusation against them. Like, you shouldn't be these things, right? Exactly. Seeing it as an invitation instead of an accusation is so helpful. Yes, Nate. That, that's, I think mostly what Jesus is doing all over the scriptures when he asks all of his questions, when he sits down with the woman at the well and says, you know, where's your husband? He's not accusing her of having five husbands. He's asking her to process her experience with him. And he's saying, it's okay for you to process your experience with me. 
I don't know where we got the, the lie that we can't be honest with God of all people. And then Jesus says, look at my hands and feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see. So here's the second all play question. When Jesus says, look at my hands and my feet, see that it is I myself. And then he says, touch me and see. What is Jesus inviting the disciples to do? Again, use the chat to answer the question. If you're watching it on YouTube or Facebook, and if you're watching it with someone else, talk to someone else about what do you think? And remember, there are zero right answers. There are only answers that lead us into seeing God deeper and seeing more of God that we can see when we're on our own, when we're by ourselves. By the way, as you're, as you're thinking about answering, I was talking to someone recently and they said, you know, I can't really, I just, I just can't really read the Bible by myself anymore. You know, I can't, I can't read it without the perspective of other people. And I said something like, well, congratulations, you, congratulations, congratulations, you've just graduated. <laughs> You're now in a deeper level of your faith where you realize that uh, you, you have humility, that, that, that you can't figure it out on your own. Okay, Hannah, he's acknowledging their doubt and fear. And he's, he's also saying to feel this. Yes, it's not just a cerebral thing. It's something you can touch and feel. Wounds are something to be touched and felt. And then Pam, face their doubts and fears. Get in touch with them, literally. Yes, exactly, Pam. Don't look away from your fear and doubt. Don't look away from your wound. Touch them, feel them. Jenny, using our senses grounds us in the present moment. Touch me and be present with me in this moment. And Jenny knows of which she's speaking because she's, Jenny, you've been in some pain lately. I know in your body. Um, Rebecca, validation. It's totally reasonable that you have doubts about this experience. Yes. Yes, Rebecca. Because even when we talk about like, even like we don't really recite the Apostles' Creed, but when you say we believe that Jesus died and was buried and rose again, have, have you ever gone like, wait a second, like that's actually a pretty hard thing to believe. That's a pretty hard thing to get my mind around. So yes, I have some doubts and yes, I have some thoughts about that. And so when Jesus says, touch my hands, touch my feet, see that it is I, it's me, you guys. In a resurrected form, it's still me. What if he's saying, don't look away from what troubles you. Don't look away from what brings you pain. Don't look away and don't try to drag your body through your life as if you haven't just been devastated. Take some time. When you've experienced trauma and pain, you carry your wounds with you as scars like Jesus did. It's one of the most beautiful things about the resurrected Christ is that he is not, he doesn't come out whole, you know, he comes out with scars and wounds that you can touch and see the scars of Christ on his resurrected body. Tell us a story. Amen. So third, all play question. What story do the scars and wounds of Christ on his resurrected body tell us? What story do the scars and wounds on the resurrected body of Jesus tell us about ourselves, about our own wounds, about life, about this experience as we drag our bodies through this world, about weeks like this that we've just had? See, I think 
the truth is, and again, use the chat to answer those questions. And I'll just keep going as I wait for your uh, beautiful responses. Uh, Alexander, he can sympathize with us and our wounds and scars. Yes. Yes. The wounds present and visible on the resurrected Christ show us that whatever else God is, God is a wounded healer. Amen. God is a vulnerable, wounded healer. That's what the resurrected body of Jesus shows us, that we can transcend our wounds, but you guys, we can't erase them. Amen. We can heal from them, but we aren't, we aren't the same afterwards. Uh, the goal isn't to erase our past, Nate. Yes. And then from Allie, the resurrection is a continuation, not a start over. <laughs> Snap! It's something that has been happening since the beginning. Whew. That's good. Our scars tell our story. Some scars can be seen. I have this scar on my finger, on my thumb here. When I was helping some guys move and I put, uh, they were moving, we were moving these windows and I put my hand through the window. <laughs> I had to go to the ER and then feel bad about the fact that I broke one of these guys' windows. Whew. Some scars are visible, but many scars can't be seen. Internal scars that can't be seen are still scars though. And we need to learn to name them to name what is troubling us. And we need to, to touch them. And eventually, we even need to learn, like Jesus did, to allow others to touch them, our scars, and see them. We need to say them out loud and name them. I had an experience like this a few weeks ago where people were, some dear friends were talking to me, and I entered into this spasm of grief that resulted in me weeping. And I am not much of a crier, not because I don't want to, but I wish I was more. So when these tears came and they were hot and fast, uh, I knew I was touching some deep pain. And then I had the, the question came like, was, will I go there? Will I tell people about it? And these people were safe. And so I did. And it was important and precious. And of course, I felt super vulnerable and stupid afterwards. I even apologized. And my friends were like, what are you apologizing for? That was sacred. It was sacred. Uh, and then from Ugo, Jesus is like a grief counselor that has suffered a great loss himself. Yes. And the best grief counselors are ones that have suffered losses themselves, right? So Jesus is a wounded healer. Uh, Nate, the other thing about scars is they don't hurt anymore. Is healing to that extent even possible? What a question. What a question, Nate. Well, let's get real contextual. The people of Minneapolis and the rest of the world, but especially Minneapolis, are traumatized. Even while the Derek Chauvin trial has yet to reach a verdict, Dante Wright was shot and killed by a police officer. Then we learned about 13-year-old Adam Toledo in Chicago, also shot and killed by a police officer. And the deep pain of generations of violence toward black and brown bodies is incalculable. These are not isolated incidents to dissect. These are layers and layers and layers of generational pain from racism, white supremacy, and it is really tough to process those. 
even for myself as a white person, I can feel guilty. I can feel like I need to do something, but I don't know what to do. I showed up in Brooklyn Center a few nights ago and I just sat there. I, I stood there and walked around and tried to absorb some of what was happening and tried to understand some of what was happening. And it was hard, really hard. Well, our very own Laura Gronawig, I don't know if you saw this on our Facebook page. She wrote this on our Genesis Community Facebook page. I thought it was so helpful and true. Uh, she wrote this, Twin Cities folks were living in and walking around in a community of triggered, traumatized humans. Every one of us has experienced layer upon layer of compound trauma, especially those in black and brown bodies. We are all very understandably in emotion mind and likely seeking ways to cope with that. You probably feel completely on edge and completely exhausted simultaneously. Your body is trying to tell you some things, and it's okay to listen to it. Care for yourself and care for those around you. It's not what wise words. If you want to see those again, just go to our community page. So I want to ask you this question, all play. Uh, what has your body been telling you this week as you've been carrying around the trauma? Or how have you processed this this last week? How are you feeling now? You can just answer in one word answers if it feels too exhausting to even put it into words. But use, use the chat. How are you doing? What are you lamenting? How are you processing this? Um, go ahead and answer in the chat and I'll, and I'll keep moving. Because we are gonna process this trauma more together in organized ways and in organic ways. We're gonna try to touch the wounds and the scars that racism and white supremacy have caused. Uh, we're gonna try to touch those together. We're gonna try to show each other our wounds and our scars. We're going to try to find ways to understand and learn and heal together. And guess what? Fear will be in the room <laughs> as we do that. You know that, right? Fear is going to be in the room as we do that. But remember, it doesn't get to drive the car. It doesn't get to drive the car. So let's move on in the portion. While in their joy, they, the disciples, were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, <laughs> Have you anything to eat? <laughs> and so they gave him a, a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. You know, and I just love this human moment. He's hungry. Of course he's hungry. He's, he's human, even though he's resurrected. Um, back to the chat. Will says, my body has felt guilty and weary. And thanks to the prayers of witnesses of black leaders, my body has shifted to be inspired to action. I'll be protesting at the governor's mansion at 2 p.m. this afternoon. Thanks, Will. Nate, I'm finding myself more hesitant to engage fully compared to last summer. I don't really know why. Yes. <laughs> Nico, wish it was deep fried fish instead of broiled. I had that same thought. Like, I mean, broiled's good, but mm, you could have breaded that thing, right? I mean, you had flour and some salt, and probably some butter. I don't know. Uh, well, I love that. Uh, in their joy, it says right there in the scriptures, in their joy, they were disbelieving and still wondering. Come on. It's like uh, deconstruction was true back even then. Uh, um, we say it all the time around here, but faith is a process. It takes time to believe. It takes time and doubt and disbelieving and wondering to grow along the stages of faith. And no points for pretending that you're at a, at a place that you're not. 
The only way to keep growing, keep seeing is to spend some time disbelieving and wondering because uh, you're, ex- you're encountering something that has shifted the way that you think and see and feel. So it makes sense that you're going to take some time to process. Uh, catching up here in the chat uh, about the question, how, how have, you, have you processed this? How's your body in this? And uh, Reagan Granger, I felt super weighted down. As a parent of a toddler, I felt like I had to just keep moving. Yep, with all the things and don't stop to feel. Then as a teacher, I feel like we have to put on a happy face and push through it so they're not political and choosing a side. It's so hard. It's so complex. Thanks for naming that, Reagan. Oh, it's so hard. Um, well, as we talk about this idea of moving through uh, processing, disbelieving, wondering, uh, one of our seven values, and I'll, I'll name our seven values really quickly, simplicity, ordinariness, rhythms, conversation, attentiveness, delight, and restoration. Of all those seven, conversation is perhaps the foundation upon which the other six rest. So listen to what we say about the value of conversation as it relates to all these processes. We wanna ask lots of questions that show interest in people and in process. We're better when we're talking and learning. So we'll allow great questions to lead us together towards what's good and true. We can be confident in sharing and hearing ideas because we know God is more and better than anything we can name. Because we know God is more and better than anything that we can name. That's why we can spend time disbelieving and wondering and moving together towards healing. Conversation is a process that will teach us to touch each other's wounds and scars with tenderness. When someone shows you their wounds and scars, it's one of the most uh, vulnerable things that they can do. So we need to learn how to be people who, who navigate that, that well and treat their scars and wounds with compassion and empathy, um, extending each other the freedom to be at different points along the belief spectrum. Some in joy, some in dif- disbelief, some in wondering. And conversation eventually leads to change. It leads to action. It leads to changed behavior. So Jesus ends the scripture portion with these sort of odd words. And he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the Torah, the Hebrew scriptures, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And then verse 48, you are witnesses of these things. Last all play question. What does it mean to be witnesses to all these things? The things that happened to Jesus, the things that happened in the room, the things that happened outside of the room. What does it mean? You are my witnesses of all these things. Maybe you grew up with a kind of in a ch- kind of church community where witnessing sort of like a four-letter word of something you had to go do. You had to go tell people to believe something and, and sign them up to be on the team so that they wouldn't burn in hell forever. 
Oh, I'm not cynical, am I? Oh, I'm a little cynical. Give me some grace. Give me some mercy, guys. Um, what does it mean in a different way to be witnesses to all these things? Because at the end of the day, you guys, this isn't about introspection. This is not about just sitting and looking inward all the time. It is about bringing our own experiences um, to bear when we go and learn about other people. Um, okay, I'm going to try to catch up here um, on the chat. Um, Betsy, to receive a gift that we're all in it together. Yes. Will, responsibility, invitation to lots of big feelings. Yes. Nate, at my darkest moments, I feel like I would die if someone didn't witness my pain. Yes. I need someone to see it. Yes. Pam, we have to keep our eyes open to see what's going on around us beyond our own perspective, but try to see others. Yes. We have a perspective and it's important, but it's limited. We only can see what we can see. We need others to help us see what we can't see. Rebecca, being a witness requires proximity and often leads us to empathy. Yes, yes, yes. And I'll tell you what, you guys, and I'm not saying this to, to be weird. When I went down there on Thursday night, I was a little, I told Mary, I'm a little afraid. And she goes, well, what are you afraid of? She's so like Jesus, my wife. <laughs> What are you afraid of? I even got a little irritated. You know, like, don't, don't make me name it. I'm afraid of looking stupid. I'm afraid of being stupid. I'm afraid of saying something stupid. I'm afraid that I won't have anything to offer. Well, come on, get out of the way. Go there to learn, <laughs> you know, go there to see. Um, and Rajan, yes, even if you are a witness, your eyes may not be open. Yes, yes, yes. Jenny, to be in conversation. And what we've experienced, that's what it means to be a witness. Yes, yes, yes. So what does it mean, community, to be among the disciples who are witnesses to the identity of Jesus as a wounded healer, a suffering servant whose scars and wounds are visible reminders that by his stripes we are healed? What does it mean to be witnesses to the, to the reality that Jesus himself allowed himself to be scapegoated so that scapegoating could end. What does it mean to proclaim the gospel that Jesus bears our every wound in his own body so that we might be free? What does it mean to proclaim the gospel that Jesus bears our every wound in his own body so that we might be free? Let's proclaim that gospel. It's really good news. Freedom for the prisoners. Sight to the blind eyes. Freedom from the captives. What does it mean to bear witness to those things? I'll leave you with this quote from Parker Palmer. Ooh, I love Parker Palmer. Uh, and I quote, God is constantly moving within and around us, calling us back to that unity that wholeness in which we were created. God is constantly moving within us and around us, calling us back to that unity, that wholeness in which we were created. Let's bear witness to those things. Let's be witnesses to those things in conversation together. Amen.
Amen. Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any, any questions, questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscove.org.